said, it would be an evil reign. As we sang that song today, the question was asked in the first verse. Would you like to see it all made new? And before we sang the next line, I heard Philip Ryan next to me say, yes. <laughs> Would you like to see it all made new? Yes. When you look at the world in which we live, it'd probably be pretty easy to say, yes, I'd like to see it all made new. I'd like to see God's purpose, who God is, come to pass on this earth. I'll tell you a quick story, and it's a better story than the joke that I was going to tell you. <laughs> the story came to me as we were singing the song. Years and years and years ago, put it this way, I turn 60 tomorrow. I can now say years and years and years ago, right? But, but years ago, when I was a very young Christian, I was in my either, I was in my early 20s. The pastor at our church had some problems. He had some issues. And I think we've all seen pastors people, let's just say people who have issues, but this gentleman's issues were a little bit exaggerated, and he had some real tough ones, and one day when his first grade son was getting off of the school bus, he happened to be waiting at the school bus stop on his son, and behind the school bus was an East Liverpool police car with an officer in it, and when his son got off the bus, some of the kids were making fun of his son. They were calling him names, and they were harassing him and teasing him and saying things. And the preacher just didn't like it too well, so he did what any uh, normal person would do. He walked up and punched those kids out. <laughs> In front of the East Liverpool police officer who was sitting behind the bus and promptly hauled him off to jail. He didn't last at our church too long. Um, I say to Janice all the time, I've said to some of you lately, I think the whole world's nuts. <laughs> Pardon me for saying that, but sometimes people just do things that you've got to wonder about, and those would be one of them. We're living in a world right now where it seems like evil just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Would you like to see it all made new? Yes, I would. I want to talk to you a little bit about this lady that's mentioned in the scripture this morning. Then we'll jump into the text. Jezebel. Jezebel was a Baal worshiper. Jezebel was someone who had killed the prophets of God. Jezebel had threatened Elijah. You'll notice that as you read the text this morning, that it was Elijah that prophesied that she would, uh, the dogs would eat her bones in the streets of Jezreel. Jezebel wanted to get her husband, King Ahab, a vineyard that he did not own, and when she could not buy it, she just killed Naboth and took the vineyard and gave it to her husband. Jezebel was probably the most evil woman you could find in the Bible, and she reigned with her husband as king. When you look at the passage today, you'll see some things. In 1 Kings 21 and verse 25, it, it says this, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel his wife incited. That's to let you know just exactly how bad things were during the time of King Ahab. He was a terrible king. No one did evil like he did, but he did it because his wife was worse than he was, and she incited him to do that evil. Ahab married Jezebel, 
And, and Ahab immediately began, if you read the Bible story, to throw Baal worship in the kingdom. Two chapters after the text that I just read to you, uh, Jezebel kills off a bunch of the prophets of God, and Obadiah takes a hundred of them and hides them in a cave, but the rest of them she killed off. Elijah came and confronted Ahab, and you'll remember that great story where the, the fire came down and licked up, remember the 450 prophets and Baal and all that, and, and Elijah challenges, has this showdown up on Mount Carmel, and fa Baal fails to respond to that challenge. Yahweh, God, rains down and consumes Elijah's fire, and yet, in all of this, King Ahab, and for sure, King Jezebel, just got worse and worse and worse. Finally, Jezebel says, I'm going to kill Elijah. And you'll remember that that's a very depressing passage in Scripture because Elijah takes himself out to a brook, which was called Kidron, and he gets there and he's just really asking God to let him die because he is so depressed with his situation. Told you already, she plotted to steal Naboth's property. Uh, she stole, she murdered to get her way. But in the passage that we read this morning, God has said one word. He didn't say just this word, but it's the word I want you to hear him say. Enough. Enough. Elijah spoke up on God's behalf and said, God is going to destroy this kingdom. To understand completely, and I, I know that I keep saying that, but there's a lot to this story that I didn't read you in the text. I want to just point out to you how we get to where we're at. And then I'll talk about where we're at. King Ahab has died. His son has ascended to the throne. His mother, Queen Jezebel, is still living. And God has said enough. And God says to Elisha, not Elijah, but to Elisha, go and anoint a certain soldier in a certain place. And that soldier's name was Jehu. And they sent a servant, one of the prophets, and that prophet went there and he called out for Jehu. When Jehu came out, he anointed his head and he said, God has declared you to be king. And when Jehu comes out of the building and all his fellow soldiers are there, they say, what did he say? And, and this guy, Jehu, actually kind of laughs it off. He says, oh, you can't pay any attention to that. And they said, no, 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 tell us what he said. And he says, you know, that, that guy just anointed me and said I'd be king. And all the soldiers put their stuff down and they bowed down to the king. Jehu goes. And he goes towards Jezreel. And as he heads for Jezreel toward the city, they look out and they see that here comes these horsemen. And it says they're running like wild. You see, Jehu is running to the battle. And they send out Jezreel. They send out Ahab, er, his son, Ahab's son, sends out a horseman and says, find out what's going on. And he gets out there and he says, are you coming in peace? And Jehu says, no, if you know what's good for you, you'll get to the back of the line. And that horseman goes right to the back of the line and follows him. They send out another horseman, and he says, do you come in peace? He says, no, if you know what's good for you, you'll get to the back of the line. He too goes to the back of the line. Finally, the king of Judah and the king of Israel, the son of Ahab, they go out together to meet Jehu. And the long story short, he kills him. And he continues to ride in to Jezreel. Two verses that I didn't point out to you, and they're in that passage that I want you to hear. 
When this prophet went in to anoint Jehu to be king, this is what it says. It's up on the screen. He arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head, and he said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. <coughs> Sorry. It's all right. And you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so that I may avenge on Jezebel the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. Two things I want you to see in that text. Jehu has two purposes. One, destroy the house of Ahab. And two, avenge the blood of God's servants and God's prophets. And so it says in the passage that you and I read at the start of this today, these words, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And just so you know, her son is dead. The king of Judah, the southern kingdom, is now dead. Jehu has arrived in Jezreel. No one has challenged him. He's coming down the street to where King Jezebel, Queen Jezebel lived. And it says when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her hair and looked out the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, is it he, you Zimri, you murderer of your master? Do you get what she said there? She asked just what those horsemen asked. Are you coming in peace? Now that, that word Zimri, I'll get to that in a minute. But notice also, she says murderer of your master. You murdered the king of Assyria. Do you know that evil never knows any authority? Jezebel has spent her entire life challenging any and all authority. Her son had been slain by Jehu for her evil. If you read this story, and I didn't read it to you, and I didn't tell it to you in the story, Jehu actually takes her son's bones, body, and buries them in that vineyard that she stole from Naboth. I mean, he's really adding some, some exclamation points to what he's doing. He's saying the evil is in. He's saying what God said and not. what Jezebel does. She puts herself up in a window above the street to challenge this new king, Jehu. You see, Jehu, as he comes into town, he is God's judgment personified for Jezebel's evil. I don't know that you have ever seen evil as bad as evil can get. I've tried to think, when did I really truly see evil as bad as it can get? But I do know this. When a heart is so hardened against God that it will stare him down, will ignore his desires, will brush off his pleas for their life, and will never give in to him, that is an evil heart. When Job talked about an evil heart, he said it this, this way, they run stubbornly against God with a shield at the front. Think about that for a minute. Somebody running into God with a shield to say, you're not going to touch me. When Jezebel heard of it, that Jehu had come, she painted her eyes, she adorned her hair, and she looked out the window. Can you see it? I am queen. 
I am going to stand up in that window and you are going to come into town and you are going to see that I still sit on the throne ultimately. She wanted to play the part. She wanted to look majestic. She wanted to look as if she was unstoppable and she thought that if she just dressed herself up appropriately, Jehu would be so scared like Elijah when he went down to the brook Kidron and got into that depression. She thought, I will stop this with my mere appearance because my my legacy precedes me. I am evil personified. In the book of Isaiah, God had called Israel to repent. And I want you to hear what is said when God called Israel to repentance. Listen close to this. In that day, the Lord called for weeping and mourning, for baldness, for wearing of sackcloth. But behold, there was joy and gladness, killing of oxen and slaughtering of sheep, eating flesh and drinking of wine. And they said, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You know what they were saying? They were saying what Jezebel was saying. We are not going to repent. We're going to die in our sin. We're not going to repent, God. We're not going to pay attention to you and shave our heads and put on sackcloth and sit in the streets and repent of our sins. We're going to party. Yesterday, (laughs) this has nothing to do with the sermon. Yesterday, me and my friends were shopping, and, and Janice told me to go and get some tortilla chips. So I met... And I bought the biggest bag of tortilla chips you've ever seen in your life. I mean, this is a monster bag of tortilla chips. We get in the car, and she says, why did you buy such a big bag of tortilla chips? I pulled it up. It said party size. And she said, well, well, but why? And I said, well, you look kind of grumpy. I thought maybe we could get something on here if you just ate a few more of them tortilla chips. She painted her eyes, she did her hair, she stood up there and she played the part. Israel says to God, we're not going to repent. We're not going to listen to you. And that's exactly what Jezebel was doing. And as Jehu comes into the gate, she says, is it peace? You Zimri. You know what Zimri means? It's a a phrase. It's going to refer back to a king. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But it really means, you traitor, you ultimately will die. So she says to Jehu, you come in peace, you traitor that's going to die anyway, you murderer of a bastard. She failed to see, her evil was so bad, she failed to see that the hand of God in the person of Jehu had gone out against her and her family And all she could see was this man, this soldier named Jehu, when ultimately she should have seen God. That's how evil she had become. She could no longer see the thumbprint of God on her own life. She was so evil. Her self-awareness to know that God had created her in his image was missing in us. And if she did believe that she might die at the hands of Jehu, I think she ultimately decided, you know, I'm just going to take him with me. If I'm going down, he's going with me. You see, when you, when, when you plug into evil so badly that there's no authority left in your life, you will reach the point where you will believe that every other authority in the world doesn't count. That every other authority in the world must be wrong because they don't agree with you. 
in my palm of this cheek is actually this knife. I told you I'd tell you who Zimri was. And this is important that she used this phrase, that she called Jehu a Zimri. Zimri was a king in Israel who took the throne by force, who was all ambitious for himself. Are you getting the picture? And took the throne and ultimately only held it for seven days. Jehu is far different. He's been anointed by God. He's been called by God. He's been purposed by God. And he has God's plan in his back pocket. Zimri's kingdom lasted seven days. Jehu's would last as long as he was obedient to God. She calls out from the window with her face painted and her hair done and looking like a queen. Do you come in peace, Zimri? And Jehu lifts up his face to the window and he says, who is on my side? Who can two of you servants look God in the eye? There's a second point that I'm going to make with you today. Righteousness has to be found. Look at that. Look at that verse again. Who is on my side? Who? Two or three, you know, servants look God in the eye. I used to have a pastor, and he used to say to me all the time, and you've probably heard me say it, because there's nothing new under the sun, and I don't have anything new to offer you. Everything I give you, I'm saying from somebody else. You do know what I'm talking about. He used to say, when Jesus is the only attraction, the crowds will be smaller. I think that's true. Jehu is asking for help. Who is on my side? Who? He has been called to do God's work, and he is asking for assistance. Church, I want to tell you something. There will be times when you are called to do God's work, and you will have to stand alone. Jehu was feeling that out. Am I here by myself? Do I have to do this job alone? Isaiah 63, 5, Isaiah is speaking and he says this, I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to help me. Then my own arm brought me salvation. My wrath upheld me. In Exodus 32, 26, Moses cries out and he says, Who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. And it says the sons of Levi came to him. In Psalm 94, the 16th verse, the psalmist says, Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up with me against evildoers? The time will come, church, and I believe for all of us, when we will have to answer the question, whose side are we on? He looked up at that window and he said, Who's on my side? Two or three units looked God at him. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. I'm going to put a strange slide up there right now, and it says this, let God be your guide. You know, in June of 2021, I have a picture in my bedroom that I got printed a wall paint. It's in a frame, and it's out here under the carport. And you folks prayed for me because I was having some health issues. And you know, the doctor told me, you got to lose weight. And you know, I lost weight and most of those health issues went away. But now I've put it back on. And the health issues are back. When we're done today, we're going to go take another picture and see if that works. (laughs) You ever hear somebody say, let your conscience be your guide? You know, 
cookie, and I'll like it, and I'll eat another one, and then I'll have another one. Pretty soon there's a voice there that's been with me for about 35 years now that says, let your conscience be your guide. I hated it when it said that. Let God be your guide. You know who threw her down? You know who shoved Jezebel out the window? It was her own servant. Jehu says, who's on the Lord's side? Is there anyone with me? And he looks up, and there's two or three servants of hers on the window, and he says, by, by, by seeing, he, maybe they made eye contact, maybe they looked and they knew, they throw her down. And they push. Why did they do that? Did they secretly harbor hatred for her? Did they perhaps fear what Jehu might do to them? Or could it be that deep down inside of them, and this happens all the time, folks, deep down inside of them, they had not gotten to the point that Jezebel had gotten to. They still recognized, they were still self-aware enough of themselves to know that, that, that God was doing something inside of them in spite of this evil. Perhaps they saw in the person of Jehu what, what Jezebel could never see. And that was that God was at work. Now here's a strange verse. She has been pushed out the window. She is dead on the street. Her blood has spattered the walls and the horses. And he goes in to have dinner. They went in, they ate, they drank. And he said, see now to this cursed woman and bury her for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. And when they came back and told Jehu, he said, this is the word of the Lord which was spoken by Elijah the Tishbite. And that's the prophecy that Elijah made. Elijah had said the dogs will eat her and, and Jehu. And they said, this is, he said, this is the prophet that Elijah made. And the character of Jehu, the dogs will eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the corpse of Jezebel will be like dung on the face of the earth. And the character of Jehu will see that no one can say, this is Jezebel. So I get to this point, evil won't smoke with me. And I'll tell you what evil won't smoke with us. It's quite simple. It's just a few words. Ultimately, evil ends. Did you know that? Ultimately, evil ends. When we see this world made new, we will. Ultimately, evil ends. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen for a minute and see if you can tell me what this is. know what that is? Look at the drink while you think on it. That was the funeral of Lee Harvey Oswald. On November 25, 1963, you look at that casket, his body lays in the casket. Across the way there is his brother, to the right holding an infant, is Lee Harvey Oswald's mother. His wife is to the left of his brother, as you look at the screen, and she is holding another baby, and both of those children are Lee Harvey Oswald's children. November 25th, 1963, that's the funeral of Lee Harvey Oswald. Do 
that's all that came to that man. Do you know that the preacher who was to do the funeral backed out and they had to recruit somebody at the last minute? And when that guy came, he kind of mumbled under his breath and said that hardly anybody could hear that he committed his body to the ground and said, I'm going to pass judgment. And all those people you see in the back, aside from that policeman there, those are reporters. When they went to put his body down into the ground, when they needed pallbearers to get him over to the burial plot and then to help get him down into the ground, one of them was asked, will you do this? And he replied with an expletive, no. And then one by one, the reporters came and helped out. I'm going to guess you do know what this next slide is. That's the same day the service for John F. Kennedy. Here's Eber's ultimatum. It will end. Jezebel spoke him in. Jehu went in and had his dinner. And it says that he cried. And, and this is so important that you get this. Not because we're talking about Eber. He says he was a traitor. You know what I think Jehu was saying? He was somebody's mother. He was somebody's wife. He was somebody's daughter. He was somebody made in the image of God. And even though he is evil personified, he is worthy to be buried appropriately. So the servants went out to this evil that knew no authority. Evil went out. things I said to you, and we'll be done in a minute. Evil knows no authority. Righteousness has few friends. You should always let God be your guide. And evil has an ultimatum. It will end. And you know how I know that's so? It's because in the Gospels, when Jesus died on the cross, one of the common things he said was this, it's finished. It's done. We often look at that and we say, well, that's his word, his redeeming work. And that's true. But it is also true that Jesus said, sin doesn't win a battle. And I just proved it with what I've done for you. It's strange that when you get to the book of Revelation, that the most evil church of the seven churches, the church of Thyatira, is equated with Jezebel. It is written this way in Revelation 2, 21 to 23. Jesus speaks and says, I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent. I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation until they also repent of her works. All the churches will know that I'm the one who searches the mind and the heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Later in the book of Revelation, it says the devil is thrown into the lake of fire. Later in that, it says the beast and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire. And then on the day of judgment, John writes this, I saw dead, small and great, stand before the throne. 
the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged what was written in the books according to what they saw. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. And everyone was judged according to what they saw. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. You see, church, evil's ultimatum is this. He's a relentless God. He's a relentless God. You know, I'd like to tell you that I'm as good as some of you think I am. But I am not. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And there's nothing in me, nothing in Joel Agnew. My sins are as scarlet as the dirt around the heaven. But when Jesus conquered sin on the cross, and when he died for my sin on the cross, God the Father does not look at sinful Joel Agnew. He looks at me through the lens of his son Jesus. And those sins are gone. And I am made whole in his sight. And so here is my bottom line, church, and we'll end with relative indifference. Evil's ultimatum God's invitation. You know, as Jezebel stood in that window, all bejeweled up, she'd got her hair done, she'd put her makeup on, she'd done all she could to make herself look the part of a king. And Jehu walked in there and looked at her up in that window. And even after he had done what God told him to do, he got rid of the most evil queen that Israel had seen, he still saw in her the thumbprint of God enough to say she deserves to be buried at Hermon. But unfortunately, all bejeweled up with her hair done and her makeup on, as she stood in that window, she had reached the point where she could no longer see in on herself. Today is the 20th anniversary of September 11th. I don't think I've ever seen evil quite like I saw that day. As I got up this morning, before I left the house, I was clicking on the TV for a minute. And tears immediately welled up in my eye. They had it on the TV. And I, it's just like I can't live with the world. Because I, 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 it's just too evil. So am I. Friends, all evil, God has taken care of on the cross. Will he make this world renew? Yes. Will we reign with him? sinfulness that sometimes we can't even see in ourselves. The fact that we know evil comes to an end is God's invitation to say, deal with it now. So I'm going to say to you, as I sit here today, I don't think most of you are all that evil. <laughs> but I do think we're all sinful. Even in the life of evil Jezebel, 
God's grace is there. He'll be right there for you as well. Amen. We're going to sing one last song, and I will pray a benediction.